When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Wednesday's Late Lunch. This is Barbara Scully here with you again and it's lovely to have you along with us today. So it's Wednesday. Did you watch the Bake Off last night? It was a bit of a dud. Um, Bread Week, never that interesting. And last night in particular, I thought it was like really, really savoury and not a lot of kind of, you know, mouth-watering deliciousness. I mean, there was pizza, you know. Then there was Pano Raisin. I mean, who eats Pano Raisin? Pano Chocolat, maybe, but Pano Raisin, not very exciting. And then we finished off with the Showstopper Challenge, which basically was large sandwiches um, made into kind of cake looking things, but it was bread. It was all very underwhelming. And then two of the contestants were out sick, um, which meant that at the end of the show, nobody was eliminated. Um, So, you know, it was a little bit... It was a little bit pedestrian. wasn't very exciting. So suffice to say, I'm looking forward to next week. I was also excited that after the Bake Off on Channel 4, there was a programme, a new programme starting called Make Me Prime Minister, which is a kind of like an apprentice, but for politicians. I fell asleep in the middle of it, which and I'll have to rewatch it because I'm not sure if it was just that I was very tired or if it was the programme that put me to sleep. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to rewatch that and I shall come back to you. Today's papers are all about the budget, unsurprisingly, page after page after page. Although, unsurprisingly, um, the tone is, is different from other years. It's reasonably positive. But I was skipping through all of that when I came across a column in the, Ind- in the Irish Independent by Bill Lanan <laughs> titled My Daughter Got Tattoos. And in it he writes that last week as she sauntered through the kitchen I spotted what appeared to be a smear of marker on her ankle. I leapt out of my seat and screamed what the hell is that? And she explained it was her Power Puff Girls tattoo. I know how Bill feels. I mean... I like a little tattoo, I think, and I may have on occasion in the last year or two contemplated maybe the idea of getting one for myself. But I think I think my motivation is just to prove that I'm I'm still kind of cool rather than for the actual aesthetic. But I can understand Bill's unease. My youngest daughter started when she was still in school with a self-administered tattoo on her ankle. It was just like a triangle. I wasn't thrilled about it, but it was very small and kind of innocuous. But it was only but that was only the start. Um, And she now has has moons, peace signs, a bee, a trail of flowers growing up her calf. She's just spent six months in Italy on Erasmus and came back with La Dolce Vita inscribed onto her onto her thigh. She also has one of those piercings that go through the middle of your nose, um, which always reminds me of the owl and the pussycat. You know, the, the bit in the owl and the pussycat where they meet the pig and it says, and there in the wood, a piggy wig stood with a ring on the end of his nose, his nose, a ring on the end of his nose. Anyway, she's 22. It's not my business. She asks me what I think occasionally and I try and tell her honestly what I do think without hurting her feelings. Um, and I have a feeling she's probably got her, her next inking already worked out. But anyway, what do you think? Do you like tattoos? Um, would you get a tattoo? Are you like me kind of? getting on a bit and considering getting a tattoo as a way of kind of um, 
holding on to the little bit of youth you might have left? Do you think they're addictive? Do you worry that you might grow fed up of them, that you'll eventually kind of end up with tattoo regrets? Do you worry about your teenage children getting tattoos? Let me know what you think. Interesting conversation, I think. Um, you can send us a text or a WhatsApp to 86 Right, as I say, down to business. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to my next uh, guest. And I'm not going to start by mentioning in a former life, but in a former life, I was a stay-at-home parent or housewife or whatever the hell it's called. And when I surrendered my working life, I couldn't juggle anymore. I had small kids. I had notions of my reinvention as a domestic goddess. I wanted my kitchen to be warm and comforting with the smell of baking and to always have something delicious and homemade to offer guests. Now, I'm not a great baker. I'm famous in the family for my bockety birthday cakes that I still insist on baking, even though nobody really wants them anymore. But anyway, so I'm delighted to welcome baker extraordinaire and now author Una Leonard to Late Lunch. Una is the author of a new baking book called Sweet Therapy, which is the number one best-selling book. Congratulations, Una. That's some achievement. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on too. Delighted to talk to you. Una, before we talk about your book, um, you founded your bakery, which is called 2210 Patisserie in 2015, when you were just 22 years old. Tell me about that moment when you saw the empty shop in Mullingar and the vision that kind of formed in your head. Yeah, I remember it like yesterday. I don't know why I was in Mullingar. I have no reason why. Um, I'm actually from out close to Affoy direction. So when I was in Mullingar, I was walking through the streets and I saw this empty place or this cafe. It was actually still running, but there was a sign up on the window and it said, um, ready to take over 750 or a month, whatever it is. And I walked in and I was like, yep, I'm in the right place at the right time. And I just asked the guy behind the counter and I was like, have you got the landlady or man's number? for this and he gave it to me and I just rang her and I said I'm taking it That's so I don't know what it was I just I, I just knew it was meant to be mm, Interesting that's something to do for, for at that age now uh, why is it called 2210? So it's my nephew's date of birth so ah. he was born on the 2nd of the 2nd 2010 and I made my first cakes for him Ah, excellent, excellent. Okay, now baking has been a theme in your life from the time that you were quite young because the first part of your book uh, um, is describes various things. But one of the things it describes is that your mum always baked, that you never had bought treats. You always had baked treats in the house. Yes, yeah, yeah. She was great for that. Now, there was only a few things she could do. <laughs> she could do them really well. <laughs> and then she could throw her hand at something else and we'd all be like, yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> no, like it definitely wasn't. <laughs> they were full of love. <laughs> yes, yeah, but her apple tart, she has nailed her brown bread, she's nailed and we've had that throughout the years and it was always there for us. Excellent. So when you left school, um, you then went to study uh, for a culinary arts degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but you fairly soon found yourself in a, in a kind of a dark place. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened when you left home yeah. to go to college? Yeah, so it, it probably may have started in school. Um, so maybe in fifth year and sixth year, I started getting a little bit conscious about eating in front of people. Um, and I couldn't. I actually struggled to eat in front of people. I was only eating my breakfast and then I was having my lunch or my dinner when I came home. So then the transition into college, um, in school, I was so excited. I actually could not wait to get down the road and live this new life and the college life that I'd seen my sisters live. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited for got down there and it was completely different right. I I was living with strangers and I couldn't eat in front of them I was going into college every day and I was studying food and at the end of our practical classes we had to taste each other's food like it's obviously that's really a big a big part of it um, and I, re- I struggled really bad with that as well um, and then in the evening times again I was going home to live with strangers so I couldn't eat again so then I felt my eating disorder had got a lot worse then um, I, I was very, I was anorexic, I was bulimic um, for a good few months and that kind of got a lot worse. And you kept all of this, I presume, kind of hidden from everybody, did you? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Well, at the start, like nobody really knows you down there, you're only getting to know people, so people don't know what you're like, so they don't see the difference in you. Sure. Um, and then when I was at home, I was only coming home, I was working full time at the time, um, I was playing camogie. I was I was on the go the whole time. So I was only dropping in home now and again to see everybody. But they would have noticed that I was losing a lot of weight, but nobody would have questioned anything or said anything. Um, I always had a big smile on my face. I was always so happy to see everyone. On the outside, I looked perfect. I looked like I was living the best life. And did you have an awareness yourself? Did you know yourself that, that you weren't right, that there was something wrong? 
No, 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 I don't. I, I, I can't. I can't think I did. But like, ba- I, I, as I look back on it, I'm like, I thought I was. Uh, yeah, no, I thought I was fine. I thought that. I thought that everything was okay. I knew that I was kind of slipping a little bit, and I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize half of the things that now I'm aware of because mm. we actually speak about mental health. Right. So like, I didn't realize like having conversation. I could be driving home from Galway back to Athboy. And I'd be having conversations in my head about maybe an interaction I've had with somebody. And it was like fear I'd have for nearly a full hour, think, like breaking that little conversation down and like giving out to myself and being annoyed with myself. But I didn't realise that that, was, that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And then the next thing that happened, uh, I think I'm right, is that your beloved grandmother... Um, who, with whom you were very close, she she lived in the same house um, that as you did growing up, and yes. then she died. Yeah, so Granny passed away on the fourth of October, and I suppose for for so long I was kind of the transition into college and everything. I was kind of just holding it on. I was holding on. Mm. I was still socialising. I was still out uh, there a little bit. wasn't a hundred percent myself at all. That was the last thread. That was it. I, 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 I couldn't cope with this. On top of everything else, I didn't understand grief. I didn't understand the process of it. I didn't understand the fact that I was never going to see my granny again. And I couldn't cope with it. Yeah. I, and I still can remember to that day the feelings of that, of like the initial, her initial death and feeling really, really sad and like not understanding it. But then it just gradually went into a numbness. It yeah. was like, I pushed all of those feelings away and, and I then, was numb. And then I think you had a panic attack that your sister witnessed, isn't that right? And she took yeah. you to the hospital. Yeah, I had quite a few panic attacks. So they all kind of started like, um, they started coming on quite frequently, actually. Um, it was, food could have been the trigger. People could have been the trigger. Anything could have been the trigger for them. And they were getting worse and worse. And when you have a panic attack, you're completely out of your body. You can't breathe. The way I describe it is your lungs are tied. And you, you you literally don't know if you can, like, if you're ever actually going to get your breath back again. It's such a scary experience. It must be very um, frightening. It is. It is very frightening. But I honest, I did not know what a panic attack was. I'd never even heard of them before. Yeah. And it was only that night that I had a, a very bad panic attack. And my sister was like, I'm bringing you to A&E tomorrow and we're going to get to the bottom of this and see what's going on. And surely we got up the next morning and... Orla drove me over to Amy and Navin and that was when everybody had found out how bad things really, really were and that the panic attacks were just a sign that they were seen. But yeah. on the week previous to that, I had actually made the decision that I was going to commit suicide and I attempted to commit suicide. You were on television recently and you started to talk about this and, and we talked about suicide on, on this programme yesterday mm-hmm. um, and I talked about the fact that I lost my brother to suicide a long time ago, 26 years ago. But I thought you were you were giving a very um, important, useful, extremely honest insight. And, and would you mind sharing it again? Because I don't think you got an opportunity to fully complete what you were trying to say that uh, the time. Yeah. You talked about the, the relief you felt when you'd made the decision. And I know, I think you actually said you felt happy. Is that correct? Yeah. It's, a, it's a really strange, strange feeling of sort because you're numb for so long. But I just remember that day, like making the, the decision. I remember mum talking me up. I used to have terrors at night, the night before. And I remember her saying to me, Granny is always with us. Mm. And I kind of thought... I remember that just sitting with me being like, Granny's always going to be with us and she had just passed away and I, I couldn't handle things. And I remember the next morning sitting at my front door being like, I'll be with them for, like, I'll be always with them. Like, if Granny's here and she's always with us and looking down on us, I'll be with them. Yeah. And I just remember feeling at peace with that decision. And like, I know it sounds so strange and so bizarre, but I was so happy when I made that decision. When I decided that I wasn't going to be here anymore. And I remember going down and having this crack with my sister and coming back up to my family. And I just knew that it was the, at that time, it was the right decision. But obviously that's just so, that's just where my mind was back then. That just shows you how, how deep it was. That I felt like the only way of happiness 
was coming through me leaving this world. Leaving everybody. Okay, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I can't tell you how important what you are saying is um, but I want to I want to come back to you and explore it a little bit more so can you hold on the line we're going to take a quick break and then I'll, I'll come back to you and we'll, we'll finish this conversation yes, of course thanks Una and you're welcome back this is Barbara Scully and I'm talking to Una Leonard who is the author of a new book which is number one at the moment The Joy, Sweet Therapy The Joy of Baking um, Una, I can't, as I just said to you before the break there, I can't tell you how important it is to get that insight because people who are successful in taking their own lives, the people they leave behind wonder for years afterwards what their state of mind was. So I think that insight that you've given so honestly is really important. And I want to thank you personally and on behalf of, I'm sure, loads of people who found that in, in some ways almost comforting although it's 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 kind of very scary as well so thank yeah. you for being so honest um, and, and sharing that now can you begin to tell us then how the healing happened how you came back from from that really dark place yeah so um so from then onwards we actually um we started uh, we went into i went into rehab um as such and a part of that journey was counseling and unfortunately I wasn't ready for it so soon and I had a little bit of a relapse and I had a second suicide attempt and um, which was very different to my first one. It was fear and it was it was trying to feed myself and it was not it was not the right it wasn't the first like the first one at all. Um, and then I the rehab care actually stepped up a little bit more. So after that and um, when I got home from hospital we actually had the nurses come into our house daily to administer my medication and look after my family and make sure that we were all okay. And as that was happening, I started baking because you, <laughs> like it, it's like when someone comes to your house, you want to give them something. So my thing was to give them something. So I started only small, like a few little bits and bobs. Like if I seen something in a magazine, I might keep that recipe and make it might be just like cheese scones or something a little bit different. And then um, my little nephew, his birthday was coming up and he had asked me to make him a John Deere tractor cake. <laughs> As you do, the innocent of it. He didn't realise I can't make cakes at that stage. <laughs> and Una, most people would say, no, I can't make you one of those. Yeah, I know, but you're Try again. Do. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll do it. Fair play. So it, just, it just took a load of research. I didn't even know what fondant was at, was like at the time. I didn't realise. I never made a chocolate biscuit cake before. So I was, I was sampling making chocolate biscuit cake I was looking up YouTube videos. I was reading magazines about cake decorating and trying to understand how I was going to put this cake together. And then, yeah, I just made it. I made the cake. It spent four days. I took over Mam's kitchen completely. She was given out to me because of the mess. Yeah. To feel a little bit normal again because I, I, not normal. It wasn't normal. It was maybe a few hours were a week were better than what the war before. And I had a little bit of hope or I had a little bit of something that I could too that was yeah. taking me out of my mind and that was either like just testing the buttercream recipe or decorating a cake or doing something along those lines and then yeah just the cakes then started snowballing excellent um, and I know in your uh, book as well, you've mentioned t- two people and, and one you've mentioned her already, your mum. I mean, you, you describe, I think it was the second attempt and you're working up in Nevin Maguire's um, uh, restaurant up in Black Lion and mm-hmm. you describe how kind and supportive Nevin was, which is yeah. to anybody who knows Nevin and I'm lucky enough to have met him a few times. He is a very compassionate, uh, oh, lovely man. Yeah. And he was very supportive to you. So, uh, but you also describe your mum who came up um, and stayed with you um, yeah. during one of those moments as, as having saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, when uh, on my way back up from Black Line, it wasn't long after my second, um, it was a couple of weeks after my second suicide attempt and I was, I, I begged and pleaded. The one thing throughout this whole process that I still love to do is work. I loved being in the kitchen. I right. felt at home in the kitchen. So I wanted to get back into work. Um, and we all agreed that it was the right thing. Obviously, there was a, plenty of chat about it. And on the way up, unfortunately, I had a severe panic attack. Um, I rem- it, was actually, it's only, it was only now that I'm looking back on what um, my family went through and what other people taught while this. I didn't realise that had so much effect on so many other people because you don't you when don't. you're in that situation. Yeah. And I'm realising now that like even my sisters, they, 
she was my, one of my sisters in Sligo and she used to say to me I didn't know if I was coming home to your funeral or if I was going to come home to visit you like she was like it was that bad yeah. like they were just waiting every night for a message off mum to say we got through another day everything mm-hmm. is okay like mm-hmm. fingers crossed for tomorrow they but must, that day, yeah, they must be so sorry to cut across you that they must have, they must be so proud of you now and what you've achieved <laughs> bet- between the, 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 the bake shop that you have and then this book which is a fantastic beautifully produced book but I just want to finish off I was l- watching your social media the other night and you were talking about how the publishers had put you up in, one, in probably the <laughs> poshest hotel in Dublin no, and the valet came to park your car <laughs> give us the very short version of how you felt when you had to hand over your car keys oh, talk about winging it I was like <laughs> I had to beg your man I was like please let me park my own car I can't let you sit into it it's an absolute mess and he was like no madam if you want to just step out and I was like no, I really don't want to step out and you do not want to get into this car. <laughs> well, I'm thinking maybe you're going to have to get used to this. Maybe, maybe oh, go... No, definitely not. I was happy to get back into my kitchen today. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, what's next for you now? I mean, have you plans for world domination? Oh, no, I have plans to get up every day and get into the kitchen and then keep doing what I enjoy to do. And whatever happens, it's all after happening organically up to now. So we keep going with it and... I'll and say I, yes to whatever I have to say yes to and that's it <laughs> and I mean the other thing that I love about like first of all the introduction part of your book which is where you describe the journey that you've just described to us is 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 so well written it's like be, getting an insight it's, it was like reading your diary I felt I it, actually I, was, I had to tell my English teacher I'd, at Viking if you brought me back there not so long ago to come in and have a chat with the the kids and I was like looking at my English teacher going please don't read the book because they didn't really edit it and it's all my writing and my grammar but that's, is not great I, all. <laughs> I know exactly why they didn't edit it because your voice is very strong in it and it is like having a chat with you or reading your diary listen you're an absolute tonic for the troops and you're you're an incredible woman your book yeah. is called Sweet Therapy The Joy of Baking it is published by Hachette and it's in all good bookshops now Una Leonard a joy to talk to you thank, thank you, you so much continued success thank you in a former life, I was a travel agent back in the 80s and I worked for JWT um, and it was a very happy decade of my life. I've always since loved travel, love flying. So I'm very excited to talk all things travel with my next guest. Sarah Slattery is the travel expert. Sarah was a travel agent for 24 years before she started her travel website in 2015. She is a font of knowledge about all things travel and she's been absolutely everywhere, both at home and abroad. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Asher and Grant, how are you? Asher Grant, Grant. So the rain is pelting down there, but it'd be nice to think about uh, getting away from it all right, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, this is the time of year, I think, although we have had a very good summer, which makes which makes a difference. But I do think that people's minds turn to, if they can afford it, uh, getting away for a little bit of sunshine. So where is the best place to go at this time of year, um, coming into the, the late autumn and winter? Where's the best time without having to take out a mortgage that we could get a bit of sun? Yeah, if you want a bit of sun, it's, it is it's a bit expensive at the moment. Um, the Canary Islands, I suppose, no, haven't been much changed there since you were in travel, uh, Barbara. <laughs> They're still, still in the uh, same place. <laughs> still the most popular spot, yeah. you know, for a bit of winter sun. Um, but the prices, at the flight prices are just huge. And I suppose because we've seen them over the years so cheap, I just find it hard to justify paying that kind of money, you know. Um, so at the moment, the next, like, I, I funny, I was looking at... Um, uh, a, a thing that that Which magazine did in the UK there during the week and like some of the prices have gone up like 180% based on 2019 at the same time Wow So yeah like it's, it's just crazy and you know that'll come back down again so yeah. if it was me personally I'd just say you know forget about the Canaries at the moment I'm sure Spanish tourist office loves me saying that yeah. but, um, <laughs> but you know it's just they're just the prices are just inflated but yeah. the good news is there's lots of new routes um, lots of different and new interesting places to go to and the prices are quite cheap. Okay. So just, you know... Um, Hit us up with like, a few of them then, Sarah. Yeah, well, like the Algarve, for instance, I was there at the October midterm break last year and the weather was gorgeous. Now, I know it's not as guaranteed, but the airfares are really good. Like, you're looking at €83 Euros return there on the 19th of October um, with the Ryanair, €100 Euros with our Lingus return for seven nights. And then you can package that up with accommodation, hotels, you know. So, like, you could get a lovely five-star wellness break with an indoor pool and oh. spa and all that for, like, four ninety nine in oh. October. So, 
You know, it's not gorgeous. And so, like, if you didn't want, if, if you, the weather wasn't good, you still have the indoor pool. You have all the other activities, the other things you can do. Um, so, I think it's just a matter of like that, just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit, and, and for, maybe pick it. Yeah, and for for listeners, that means they're checking flights to Faro, correct? Yeah, yeah for for That's the right. for the southern coast there of Portugal. Yeah. What about Cyprus at this time of year? Is that still a runner, or is that? <laughs> Yeah, weather should be good there, yeah. actually. Um, funny, I didn't check prices on Cyprus, but I did check places like Madeira, which would be warm as well. Oh, right. Looking about €180 Euros return in October there, which isn't bad. And Madeira's um, not that much for... That's, is that further south? That's kind of Canary Islands. It's not quite exactly. as far south, I think, but it's in the same general neck of the woods. It is. So, um, and Ryanair fly there, and uh, the airfares are quite good. Um, it's you know it's a different kind of holiday. I believe it's absolutely gorgeous. I've never been, but I believe it's beautiful. I was in Madeira. Were you? I was in Madeira a few years ago. Yeah, I went on a press trip to Madeira, and it was surprisingly lovely. Now it is. It's quite a rocky place, and actually landing in Madeira, it's one of the. Um, I think it's one of the more difficult airports to land in for pilots, uh, because the island is basically a rock, like a volcanic yeah. rock. Uh, beautiful for walking. If you're interested in walking, beautiful walks in the forests and the mountains. Um, wouldn't be hectic for nightlife, but you know, for a laid back kind of quieter place, I think it would be lovely. I never thought of Madeira at this time of year. I think it would be lovely. Yeah, and you should get kind of good weather there as well. Um, there's also good value in Greece, like the likes of Sor- uh, Santorini, which had kind of crazy prices during the summer um, and lots of crowds, which you kind of want to avoid as yeah. well. Um, the, like the, there's quite good value in October there. Um, I put a, a package together with a flight um, and a four-star hotel on the 10th of October for a week and it was 489 So I thought that was That's good. very good, yeah. That's very good. And uh, the other thing that people might be starting to think of, although I have a feeling I know what you're going to say here, is um, ski. First of all, when does ski ski season, that's hard to say, when does ski season start? Well, it it starts in, um, I think, France a little bit early, early December and Austria kind of mid-December. But most people don't really go until Christmas. Right. And um, it would be probably more like locals um, who would who would go early, you know, or the serious uh, skiers. But um, yeah, and the flights, the likes of the, the flights with Crystal and you know the package holidays and things like that, they would start usually Christmas week, um, the seventeenth of December. In fact, that's probably the cheapest time to go, just that week before Christmas. Yeah, because it brings you back just just literally ahead of Christmas, doesn't it? And people don't tend to want to go. Exactly. That's that's. And I mean, at the moment, I just had a quick look at prices, uh, and for a package in Austria, you're looking at five sixty six, including flights. But that 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 could even come down again because it's, it's it's as you said, it's that week. People generally don't want to go. But um, as you know, skiing and and uh, cheap don't really go together. Yeah. it's an expensive holiday, no matter when you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to hire all the equipment and your ski passes and all the rest exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. Puts, puts it all up. What roughly ballpark would would people need to have in the bank in order to c- contemplate a week skiing, like as a total, just a ballpark, be over well, a grand, would it? I'd say you'd want it to to be thinking around a thousand euro yeah. mark, even like with your lift pass and your ski school and. You know the gear and all that. You'd probably want to uh, to um, plan that, but definitely the like or, likes of January would be quite reasonable. Avoid the kind of midterms, the New Year, all those times. W- one thing that is quite interesting is um, with Easter is the first of April, or well, it's the eighth of April, I think. But the school holidays start on the week before the first, and um, a lot of the packages go on then. So it, it's kind of it's a bit warmer. Um, and uh, the prices are quite good. Like oh. I, I was looking at the first of April there, and you were looking at six hundred euros for a week. There was still free child places available. Uh, I'm not too, so sure whether they've kind of copped on that the, the schools get off the week before or not. But um, I thought the prices were quite good considering it's, yeah. it's just, and it's something totally different to do at Easter as well. You know, sure. Um, and kids so would love it, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Talking to kids, where else in general? Not not necessarily for this time of year, but if families are starting to think perhaps about summer holidays for next year um, where still is great uh, for family holidays with youngish kids you know kind of not teenagers kind of hard to beat the traditional Spain and Portugal really um, you know it's funny the places like Lanzarote are still one of the, the most popular uh, places to go but uh, airfares to the Algarve are quite good in July in fact you know there are some quite quite good deals to be had um, if you if you do book early, mm. and generally speaking, like the, the first two weeks in July are always expensive. Like the minute the kids get off school, people tend to just look for that time. But if you looked at like the 26th of July, 28th of July for a week, that kind of time between 
the end of July and early August. Yeah. Um, even, even in our heads, I think psychologically, we tend to book off work. We t- like the first two weeks of the month or the last two weeks of the month. or You know, so just so getting in between those dates, like on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, the airfares could be half what you would pay to go like, you know, a Saturday, Saturday at the beginning of July. So that's a that's really good tip. It's a good one to watch out for. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip. Is demand still very high? I mean, obviously the airfares are high at the moment. There's fuel prices as well, obviously, are playing into it. But are we still dealing with the kind of pent-up post-COVID demand? Um, which is, a, is that another reason why airfares are quite high at the moment to certain places? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, it, it certainly the, the cost of living um, crisis doesn't seem to have effect travel at the moment, whether it will later on. Uh, but I mean, it is still the popular places that are um, that are expensive. Right. Like there is still good value. The likes of the Amalfi Coast, Naples and the Amalfi Coast, like the airfares are 100 euros there return in October. You know, there are some places that you know, the city break destinations are great value. Yeah. Um, you know, so there is still good value to be had. You know, it's just the likes of the Canaries, particularly people want that sun um, this time of year. And they like, you know, people, I suppose when people had vouchers and people were transferring bookings from year to year with COVID, I think they tend to pick places that they knew or, yeah. you know, it was a bit of a comfort thing. Um, they weren't really thinking about, you know, different destinations. So the value is definitely in like the new routes or like I put up a package uh, last night for Sardinia for um, the 3rd of November and it was three nights but it's like it's the, air, the airport's 10 minutes from, from the old town of Algaro so it's a really nice one for a short stay Friday to Monday it was in with a four star hotel and flight of 190 euros like, Wow so that's like. <laughs> that's really good and Sardinia yeah. I've never been to Sardinia but I believe it's beautiful Yeah and, and like so there, there definitely is um, some bargains there it's just a matter of not of trying to think of the not the places that you may not typically uh, think of. Think of, yeah, very good. Now listen, the other thing that you do on your website as well as having these kind of great offers and you spend obviously a long time researching all of that and where the value is and all the rest of it, you also have tips um, uh, for for, tra- for travel in general and I know your current newsletter has a, has um, advice on how to get your money back if your flight is cancelled. Um, you also, awesome. I saw on your website, you have tips for not losing your luggage. <laughs> Yeah, well, that I, I literally published that when when we had all the the drama, the hassle, the summer. yeah, um, and you know, and it was, I mean, the main one was obviously, um, you know, just trying to get people to to not check in your bag, and all. Some of them were very obvious, but um, the air tags. I, I invested in an air tag um, this year, and God, they're just great for thirty five euro. It's that for anyone who doesn't know, they're like a an apple. Little, it looks like a little coin. And you put it in your case and you have the app on your phone and you know that your bag is with you. Um, a friend of mine um, was going to Nashville via New York and her bag didn't arrive. And she could see when the airline was saying, yeah, it's on the way. She could actually see it moving along in the coach, you know. Um, so she knew it really was on the way to her. So it's just a really, um, it's, 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 it's a handy little thing to, for, just for peace of mind as well. And it's something you'll always have for 35 euro. I think it's a... It's, it's a good a investment. Yeah, my <laughs> girls my girls went to visit their sister in um, Australia and because we were trying to find the cheapest fares, they kind of went around the world for sport with about four connections. Um, and I, I had seen your thing on Instagram about the AirTag, so we invested in them. And it was, it was kind of funny to watch to watch yeah. their baggage, you know, uh, moving around. But thankfully, they uh, they didn't need to use the AirTag because their luggage, surprisingly enough, managed to even get through Heathrow during Very all that good. stuff <laughs> and arrived both out and back to Australia. Where is is your where is your favorite place to go yourself if you want to just rest and, and recharge where do you head to in the sun away or oh. not in the sun away not in Ireland um where's your favorite I suppose, I suppose I'd probably say Alvor a friend of mine has a house there and loves the beach that's so cheap the restaurants are great this uh, back in Portugal kind of, yeah sorry I should have said that yeah in, in the Algarve it's just real chill out kind of place I mean I love Italy I suppose if I would pick a country and different destinations I'd say, you know, uh, I love traveling around there. But to be honest with you, like, I I just. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Love that feeling of getting away with a bit of sun. You know, the Costa del Sol. Um, Change Spain, of scenery. Yeah, I don't, you know, it, it, it's... Um, I, the only reason I probably said Alvarez was that because of a friend has, who has a house there and we tend to go every year and just chill out and we know it well, you yeah. know, just that bit of we know the restaurants, we know where we're going. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of happy <laughs> chilling out most places, you know. <laughs> I know that. Listen, um, I know during COVID you had to pivot because obviously there was nobody travelling, so there was nothing for you to talk about. And you turned your attention towards Ireland. Um, and I think you still kind of keep an eye on what's going on here. And I know hotels got awful bad press um, in the last couple of months because of the so-called pr- price gouging. Um, but is there still value to be had in Ireland in hotels if you wanted to get away for a break without having to deal with airports? There really is, Barbara. And like, again, it's that, you know, I, I, I hate it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Some hotels definitely um, had inflated prices, all right. But an awful lot of the examples were like around Garth Brooks or around, you know, exactly. it'd be so many events and so many things on. But there's definitely value to be had. Um, again, I just looking up offers yesterday. Uh, there's a spa break in Wexford for €125 Euro for the night. Um, and the Clayton Whites there, and that includes a 30-minute spa treatment, access to the Tranquility Spa, breakfast, like, you know, yeah, that's like very there's good. loads of deals. But just avoid Friday and Saturday nights if you can. And a lot of people tend to forget, like, you know, when you say midweek, they just, you know, it puts people off. But like Sunday's a great time to go. You only need one day off work. Most people have holidays left from COVID anyway. Um, but, you know, so you can go down on a Sunday, come back on a Monday. You, only, you don't, when you think of midweek, you think of Tuesday and a Wednesday, you know. But the Sunday nights are great value. Um, and like, like uh, Mount Juliet was there with 94 euro per person, including breakfast in October. That La Hinch Coast Hotel in um, that you would couldn't get in the summer, like 42 euros per person. Like there's loads, there is actually deals definitely there. You just need to obviously avoid the, try and avoid Friday and Saturday. And, um, and and obviously times when there's events and things like that on. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and obviously then uh, the 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 other thing I think about hotels is that a lot of that price gouging was around cities as well. I mean, there's still lots of country hotels that are are really good value and a lovely way to get away from you know and get a, get a change of scenery. And also the service tends to be really good in a lot of our hotels. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, in fairness, I think a lot of uh, a lot of places are having such difficulty getting staff. So some of the hotels that actually tend to be the most popular at the moment are that kind of small family run type hotels where, you know, everyone in the family. <laughs> They're all working. They're all working there. And there's just that lovely atmosphere, you know. So, you know, sometimes they're actually the, the, the nice ones to go to at the moment. Yeah. Talk to me just briefly about cruises, because this is something that wasn't a feature of travel back in the day, a million years ago when I was there. But cruises seem to be now like huge. Um, Is there value to be had on cruises or are they always going to be really expensive because of the nature of 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 what it is? No, there's really great value, uh, Barb. And I'm, yeah, I've gone gone a bit mad into cruising this year. Yeah, I noticed, Sarah, I noticed. You see, I think with COVID, a lot of the new ship launches were delayed. Right. There just seemed to be loads of new ship launches this year. So um, it it just felt like I was always, uh, but a lot of them were only two or three nights or something. But it was just great to see. I mean, what's on board now? I think people like would be just blown away uh, if they realised. The one I was on there, Norwegian Prima recently, had a three story racetrack like that you can drive 50 kilometres an hour on the cruise ship like it was just insane some of the what? things that are there I know it was mad what but, were you driving? Um, 
like a go-kart up you can go. now I wasn't going 50 kilometres an hour but you could go up to 50 kilometres an hour racing three storeys like around this lap you know it's just like, so, I, like the things on board now it's just God be, be with the days when people think they were for you know for old people and quiet that's right you, like it's so a lot of them are very family focused yes uh, yeah. and in fact you know for, for people listening like it's actually really important that you would speak to um, a crew specialist because they're so different. Like, you know, I, I've been on some of them and I t- thought to myself, my God, if I had no kids now, I'd go mad. Like, yes. they're full of kids, you know. Yeah. So yeah. you need to kind of, you really need to match the crews with the person with and the, the person. style and, you know, what kind of food they want. Sometimes the pool areas are very small. So if you want to just chill out, there isn't much room. Others have a really, really good on dining, loads of different. Okay. Um, so it's, it's definitely a matter of, I'd say, as much as I think I know a lot, uh, I would say if you're booking, definitely go, go to, to cruise, cruise expert. Yeah. Listen, that's just brilliant. Loads of food for thought there. More information from your website, which is the travel expert dot and you're also on Instagram and you post regularly all kinds of deals there Sarah pleasure to talk to you and uh, mind yourself thanks a million thanks Thanks, bye and you're welcome back now one in six women in Ireland have irritable bowel syndrome and about 40,000 people in the country are celiac Professor Barbara Ryan is a gastroenterologist and Elaine McGowan is a clinical dietitian and together they are the gut experts and they have written a book called What Every Woman Needs to Know About Her Gut and one of the team Professor Barbara Ryan joins me now welcome to Late Lunch Barbara thank you for taking the time Oh, thank you very much for having me on, Barbara. I don't get to speak to many Barbers these days. I was we're just a dying breed. We're a dying breed. <laughs> we're, nobody calls their babies Barbara no, they anymore. Don't. They <laughs> yeah, don't. I know. <laughs> Any, we're dinosaurs. <laughs> exactly. Listen, I want to start by asking you kind of the obvious question: What does every woman need to know about her gut in a kind of a general way? What does okay, your gut well, do? What what every woman needs what every woman needs to know about her gut is that firstly gut problems are very common. As he said, one in one in six women suffers with IBS. I suppose the other thing that we specifically that, that we, we, we talk about in this book is the effect of hormones on the gut. Um I know everybody's talking about hormones and menopause nowadays, but hormones at every at every time point during a woman's life can also influence uh, how a woman's gut works. And I think most women would instinctively know during their fertile years, their bowel pattern changes over the course of their monthly cycle. If you have IBS, that can be very pronounced and, and those those changes can be much more marked. So some, for example, so that's one of the things. And then during, when women go through perimenopause, hormones affect it as well. So, so that's why specifically women have some different things that affect their gut uh, compared to men. And there are lots of things that they have in common as well. Okay. Um, before yeah. we before we explore that a little bit further, one of the mm. things I was fascinated to read in the first few pages of the book is that the gut is often referred to as the second brain and that it yeah. it contains more serotonin, which is, uh, is the happiness hormone, mm. than mm. the brain itself. What's serotonin doing in your gut? So, so with serotonin is doing lots of things. It acts on lots of receptors in the gut and affects gut motility, whether the gut speeds up or slows down. It also can affect uh, how we perceive pain in our gut. So normally what's going on in our gut is kind of supposed to be below our consciousness level. You know, the digestion is all, all going on in the background and we're out living our lives. And obviously when that, when that uh, process goes a little bit awry, then people start getting uncomfortable symptoms, pain, cramps, diarrhea, constipation, bloating and wind, etc. So serotonin affects motility, it affects pain receptors um, and it's produced, uh, a lot of it is produced by the gut bacteria, the sort of the 50 trillion plus bacteria in our gut um, are involved in, they produce, they convert tryptophan, which is a thing found in lots of foods, into, ser- into serotonin. And that then in turn can, can be absorbed and affect uh, uh, you know, serotonin levels indirectly in the sure. brain as well. So this is where we, why the gut is called the second, second brain. brain. Interesting. A lot of it, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So tell us then, what is uh, irritable bowel syndrome? Because I suspect that many women may suffer in silence for a while before they seek help. So what is it and what are the symptoms of irritable bowel yeah. syndrome? So, so it's a really common condition and the frustrating thing about it is that there's no test, it doesn't really show up any abnormalities on tests. So you can have blood tests, stool tests, scopes and everybody's telling you everything is normal. 
the symptoms of irritable bowel will be literally an, the bowel is a little bit irritable. So the bowel pattern is not normal. So some people can either tend towards constipation. Other people can tend towards diarrhea, three or four bowel, more, or more bowel motions a day. And some people could swing between the two. And we call those constipation predominant IBS, diarrhea predominant or alternating type. So a change in the bowel pattern. And sometimes some people will notice a change in the appearance of the bowel motions. It might be, if you've ever heard of the thing called the Bristol stool chart, somebody kindly gave me a cup with all pictures of lovely stools. I, I actually so, haven't. No, thank you. Okay, but well, I might think okay, of getting well, one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't invite you to get one of these mugs. Um, so some people's stools can be small, a little bit like goat's motion, you know, goat's droppings. Other people can be very loose, like sort of mushy porridge, etc. And then people will also have abdominal pain. And that abdominal pain it can be cramps. And it's usually related to the bowel motion. So some people might get very bad pain before they go to the loo, but then it eases off afterwards. Other people might get... Uh, a pain after they go to the bathroom. So pain and a change in the bowel pattern, change in the bowel appearance. And then one of the other really common symptoms is, is, is bloating. Right. The tummy kind of, so the tummy bloats out or becomes distended. And a lot of people would say to us, oh God, I look, you know, by the end of the day, I look like I'm six months pregnant. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's due, to, due to a couple of things, but some of it's increased gas production within the gut, but also some of it is to do with the, the abdominal wall, wall muscles kind of relaxing. So they'd be the main symptoms. So, and people with it end up becoming really, you know, very, very anxious about their bowel pattern because if you've got diarrhea predominant bowel yeah. pattern, you might find, God, you're going to the shopping centre or the mall or something and you, you need to know where all the bathrooms are. Even getting into the car to go to work some days if people have a long commute. I'm sure there are lots of people in Drogheda yeah. and Dundalk commuting up to Dublin. You know, that can actually become a nightmare for people because they're really worried, oh my God, am I going to have to stop in at a service station or something? So, yeah, so it, stop, extent, yeah, it starts interfering with their day-to-day uh, living. Absolutely, and that anxiety makes the symptoms even worse. So, as far as I understand then, irritable bowel symptom cannot be cured as such, but it can be managed very successfully. How, yeah, how do people yeah. manage it then? What are the things they need to do? Okay, so the first thing I think to do, I think to do is to don't self-diagnose. If you're having trouble with your gut, you should go and talk to your GP about it because you should have some blood tests done. You might need a stool test. And depending on your age, if you're older, you might also warrant a scope. So never ignore a change or, or you know, uh, um, problems with your digestive system. So that's step one. Then your GP would likely do some bloods and some, uh, for example, you mentioned celiac disease is very common in Ireland, one in 100 people or even more common than that, one in 80 people. is. So, wow. for example, so the symptoms of celiac could mimic IBS. So you should have a blood test done to make sure you don't have celiac. Um, and then, as I said, so take it you've had the appropriate investigations, you've been told you have a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome. Well, then there are a number of things you need to do. And we call this our, so we've a, we've, we've, a, we've a dietary approach, but we also have what we call our teams approach. So that's the T, very easy to remember, it's for total gut and body health. E is looking at then the factors, the, the other things are looking at the factors that affect your gut. E is eating for health and well-being. So that's looking at the diet and it may be, it may be very helpful to, to see a dietitian or you can have a look at our website, thegutexperts.com. We have a lot of information on that. There are lots of resources. If, you can, you know, if you're not in a position to go and see a dietitian, there are lots of resources to help um, at people in terms of dietary things. E, the other E is also it's very important to look at exercise. Modern day life is not really very, you know, sedentary life is not great for our gut health and our overall health. So we'd encourage people to take some moderate exercise. People should look, A is for alcohol. People need to look at their alcohol intake. Alcohol is a real stimulant to the bowel. So, and it also upsets the gut bacteria. So if you're having problems particularly with diarrhea predominant IBS, you should look at your alcohol intake or what, even what, it may not be that you're drinking excessively, but sometimes what drinks you're drinking can affect you as well. So for example, if you have, you know, a, a, a spirit with a, with a mixer or something that is high in fruit juice, the fructose can be very problematic or bubbly drinks can be problematic. Sure. Um, and then people, M is for mental health, looking at stressors in our lives. I mean, who doesn't have a stress-free life nowadays? And um, these things play a big role as well. Um, and then uh, S is for sleep. So, but diet is incredibly important, and I think getting the help of a of a good dietitian is is really yeah. beneficial. And, and that's, a, that's a, we, yeah. Sorry, that's a very holistic approach. Then it's looking at you well, know all all the it, elements of your life. It, it it is because you know you do have to. There's no point looking at diet specifically yeah. um, if you're not looking at the other things. That being said, there are certain dietary triggers um, and we call them the, the flat triggers or we call it our flat gut. And these are the F, people like acronyms, hence it helps people remember things. Yeah, do. Um, 
F, F is for the amount of fibre in your diet. Um, lots of people in Ireland are actually eating too little fibre. About 60% of people in Ireland and the UK don't eat enough fibre each day. And we should probably be aiming for about at least 20 grams of fibre a day. So that's F is for fibre. F is also for fructose, which is fruit sugar. Right. Um, and, and with our diet, we recommend a certain amount of fruit. People, you know, people think, oh, God, fruit's really healthy, which it is. Um, but you can actually overdo it. And again, that can lead to bloating, wind, cramps, etc. So looking at how much fruit and what types of fruit. So some fruits are really high in fructose. Yeah. Um, and believe, believe it or not, so too is honey. So we would often see people who are having a really healthy breakfast with granola yeah. and fruit and honey. And you find, God, they've had a huge fructose load of breakfast. A whole load of sugar. Exactly. Yeah. And the the other F is fructans, which is the fibre in wheat um, uh, and bread, which is why some people might think, oh, if I eat a lot of bread, I get very bloated. And that's true. Yeah. But it's very often a question of how much bread. So you don't need to, most people don't need to go gluten-free unless they're celiac. Um, So so, so we we try and help people find out what their tolerance is for these things. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yes, carry on. Just fly through the other ones there if you don't mind. For, L is for lactose, how much uh, dairy. Lactose, milk sugar, dairy products. A is for alliums. Now that's onions and garlic. And yeah. A, onions and garlic are really poorly tolerated for many people with IBS. They right. could be the two main ones. And they're in a lot of, you know, they're in a lot of food additives, flavourings, stock cubes. They're hidden, yeah. Crisps, a lot of the hidden, hidden, exactly. So that they're a particular problem. And then tea brings us back to the teens thing. So diet is paramount yeah. and looking at the other holistic things. And are these midlife, are these tend to be midlife diseases? I mean, a lot of what you're saying, I'm diabetic and I've type 2 diabetes and a lot of what you're right. saying kind of chimes with what I've had to learn in how to manage okay. diabetes. It's the same thing. Yeah. Are these also kind of midlife diseases that are as a result of our lifestyles? I mean, it's actually not, believe it or not. IBS, very often, it's, it, it's very common in people of all ages, but it actually has a peak incidence sort of in the, in the late teens, early 20s to ah. 30s. They, and actually, many people would find that the symptoms get a little bit easier as they get older. And I think what, actually what you say, if, if a person in midlife um, starts to develop digestive symptoms, it's especially important that they go and talk to their GP about that because you certainly couldn't assume it's IBS. Yes, yeah, that's um, good advice. And listen, yeah. your book is an absolute um, mine of information with all of oh, all of that you. plus a whole load more. Where can people, it's called again, What Every Woman Needs to Know About Her Gut. Where can people get hold of the book? I mean, I think... Fortunately, uh, the, the, a lot of the shops are sold out, but it's available on all the online uh, on, online shops. So Eason's, Bookstation, Debray, um, Ke- Kenny's, O'Mahony's, they all have it uh, stocked online. Great. But actually in the shops, it's, 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 uh, it's scarce. Okay. And people can also follow you then on Instagram for more hints Absolutely, and tips. Absolutely, yeah. At the Gut at- Experts. And we have an Insta Live tonight with Mirren um, O'Connell talking about all things to do with women and their guts as well on Mirren's channel. Fantastic. Listen, that's great. That was very informative and it was okay. lovely to talk to you, Barbara. You Another Barbara too. Okay, you <laughs> From this Barbara to that Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. And you're welcome back. Um, following on our chat with uh, Sarah about travel, our Danny Androhada apparently has phoned in to say the temperature currently in Cyprus is 34 and 35 degrees. How fabulous would that be? Hello, Danny. Your daughter, I believe, is enjoying herself in Cyprus at the moment, which is why you have those that weather update for us. OK, um, I'm sure it's uh, of no surprise, really, that the rates of burglaries have increased after the endings of lockdowns. When we were all at home, our homes were clearly safer. So we thought it might be timely now for us to review a little bit of how we keep, how we best keep our homes secure secure and safe. And joining me to talk about this and remind me of some things we might have forgotten is Marguerite Cotter, who is Marketing Director with Phonewatch. Hi, Marguerite. How are you doing? Hi there. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for joining us. I know you're very busy. So look, we'll just run through a few of these uh, tips uh, that Phonewatch have and and reminders of things that we should know, but possibly, you know, we got a bit lazy uh, over the last two years. So the first um, the first one is to check windows and doors. Yeah, I guess just to give a little bit of context on it, yeah, I mean, as you said at the beginning, it's no surprise, burglaries are up 30% compared to April, May and June of last year. But look, we were all at home last year, very few of us were going away. So it is quite a marked increase, but, you know, based on us really not leaving our homes last year. So I guess at Phonewatch, we're sort of, we we, we don't release this information sort of to scare people. What Mm. we just we release it to sort of say to people, look, the safety of your home is ultimately in your hands. And it is a really simple thing. So it is things like 
check your windows and doors. So I'm at home here today. I live in a bungalow and, you know, things like make sure the front door is locked all of the time. You know, we see in phone watch a lot of burglaries tend to happen while people are even at home, you know. So if you're in the back of the house, people can gain entry to the front windows or the, or the front door. So even when you're at home, keep those locked all of the time. Yeah. Um, things as well, now that we're coming into the darker evenings, leave a light on, put it on timer if you can. The phone watch alarms come with an integrated smart plug so you can put them on timer. Obviously, we're all very conscious of utility costs and electricity costs at the moment, but giving your home that appearance of being lived in even when you're out and about, you know, is very, very important. So if you can leave a light on in the hall or in a, a front room, I think that's a small thing that you can do to make a big difference. And one thing we see in so much all of the time is turn your alarm on. The percentage of people that have an alarm but forget to turn it on when they're nipping to the shops or dropping the kids to school is alarming. Excuse the pun. So <laughs> Very <again>. good. <laughs> what we say is, you know, you can have an alarm but it's only of real value if it's switched on and obviously I think we probably all know from um, insuring our homes we can only claim on insurance if the alarm is proven to be armed when there was a break and so really really important to turn the alarm on and, and, on, that, and on that one Marguerite sorry to cut across you there um, do, do you um, recommend that people keep the alarm on when they're at home as well yeah, look, you know, we have maybe uh, 40% of our customers that don't arm it at night um, or when they're at home. So look, like I said, I'm at home today. Um, you know, kids will be coming home later on and stuff. It won't be on, obviously, while we're all in and out yeah. and so on. But, it, you know, it is very important, I think, to turn it on. At night. Um, at night time. And look, that's, that's the peace of mind. I think everyone can rest that a little bit easier knowing the alarm is turned on. And you can design your alarm system so that you can still, you know, walk Open around, maybe doors. use the bathroom at yeah. night time. Um, you can assign sections of your home that don't, you know, have are half-armed or sure. whatever. So it is important, I think, to turn it on at night time. Okay, the other one then again, which I know... Um anybody who like me lives their life on social media don't share holiday uh, updates on social media exactly. advertising the fact that you're away but the yeah. also then you talk about asking a neighbour in other words don't keep ask your neighbour use your neighbours for when particularly when you're away and also for spare keys just talk to us about that for yeah so look one of the big things about phone watch is building up that relationship with your neighbours and with people that live close by so when the phone watch alarm activates it will firstly try to call you if we don't get you we'll call your key holders and your key holders would typically be a neighbour or someone that can get to your home relatively quickly uh. even if you don't have phone watch though you know what we say is build up that relationship with your neighbour so that people if you're away people can check in on your house just simply, you know, keep an eye, even if you are at home. But, you know, it's important that they have a key, that they know the code to your alarm, um, so that if something does happen, they can go in and check your house. You know, there's nothing worse than being abroad or just away. Yes. And your alarm activating and you're like, sugar, what actually, what's going on there? At least if a neighbour can check in and say, you know what, everything was fine. It was this, it was the cat, it was whatever nothing to worry about so just that peace of mind it's really worthwhile and obviously the turn in the place then if you can um, but I think it's really important and then small things like when you are away ask them to maybe collect the post put out the bins yeah. um, mow the grass in the summer times again to give your home that appearance of being lifted Oh I never thought of that get them to mow the grass as well I never yeah. thought of that that's a great way of getting out of mowing the grass so get them to keep <laughs> exactly. your keys take in your post put out your bins and mow your grass Marguerite listen yeah. that's all great really useful reminders to people of how to keep their homes safe. Thanks a million for your time Great. today. Not Much appreciated. Thank you. Bye bye. And you're welcome back to Late Lunch. This is Barbara Scully here. And I have just realised something that has actually made my heart sing. Today's programme is an all female affair. Girl power here. Female producer, female presenter, and every single guest we've spoken to and we are going to speak to are women. And the only men that shall have feature in any way on this programme are coming up next because now it's time for this. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. And as you know, our Artist of the Week this week is Duran Duran, which is an odd name. Even back in the 80s, it was an odd name for a band. It was inspired by the 
Dr. Durand Durand character, which who was played actually by Irish actor Milo O'Shea in the very weird movie of the 60s, Barbarella, the one in which uh, starred Jane Fonda. Nobody had any idea what was going on. Um, anyway, this is this song today is the band's sixth single and it was released in August 1982. The song was the third song taken from their second album, Rio. But it became their biggest hit at the time on the UK chart, where it reached number two and it was held off the top spot by Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. There's one for Jerry next week. I'll give him that for nothing for his two on Tuesday. Um, it was not originally issued as a single in the United States, um, although the, the music video was very popular on MTV. It was finally released in the US in 1985, where it, re- where it reached number 16 um, in the American Billboard charts. Apparently, the song is about a chance meeting between two people that certain that soon turns into a one-off sexual encounter. Le Bon, Simon Le Bon, described the lyrics as realistic, not romantic. Hmm. According to Le Bon, the song's chorus is based on Gordon Lightfoot's folk classic, If You Could Read My Mind. Don't know about any of that, but it's one of my favourite Duran Duran tracks. This is Save a Prayer. Right, I'm sure you think I'm making this up, but I swear to God I'm not. In a previous life, I was also a Reiki master. Louise is laughing at me <laughs> across the way, uh, but genuinely I was. So uh, I've always had a lot of time for complimentary therapies. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to my next guest, who is one such therapist. Leah Cooney, you're welcome to Late Lunch. How are you doing today? I'm good, Barbara. How are you? Thank uh, you so much for having me on. Not at all. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Now, Leah, you run yeah, Holistic Beauty in Wilkinstown Village in County Meath. Tell me what you do there. So my little business out in Wilkinstown is I work as a holistic therapist in complementary medicine as you said. So what I do is I work one-on-one with clients to rebalance their physical, their mental, emotional and spiritual health. Um, I suppose I guess in a nutshell my job involves a lot of different therapies such as aromatherapy, reflexology, massage, reiki like yourself and Hopi ear candling. Um, so I suppose every client that comes through my doors Barbara they're a treatment was always, is always going to be tailored to suit them and their individual needs. I offer a safe, non-judgmental space to escape and recharge and basically to heal from whatever life throws at them. A safe space. Yeah, you're making me, you're making me hanker back because it's something I've neglected actually probably since before COVID um, because I'm a great believer in a good massage I think it's very good for your you know just for keeping you kind of well for me I suffer from migraine so it's been very useful in that regard and I've been, I've neglected to go for ages but there's also something beautifully nurturing about going into one of your the kind of place that you run these holistic therapies where everything is unrushed and gentle and slow um, so I, I must get myself back to that now COVID forced you also because obviously your business took a hit during COVID um, and it made you look to do other things. Tell me what you started to experiment with. Yeah, so back well, in 2020, that infamous year, yep. um, like so many others, I had to close my doors and I had to pivot my line of work. So I knew with my job being so close contact in a very warm room for long periods of time, I knew I was going to be waiting a while to reopen. So I started making my own range of natural essential oils therapeutic candles so this is always something I'd always flirted with but I never got time to invest invest the time into it because I was always so busy in treatment so the pandemic it gave me well it gave me time yes so I'm a fully qualified aromatherapist since 2009 and I have always worked using essential oils so just to explain there that all the candles that I make they contain essential oils and essential oils originate from plants flowers fruits and herbs and in using these oils within my candles, I can bring the, the power of Mother Nature herself and our therapeutic benefits to the individual. And so at the minute, oh sorry Barbara. No, yeah. that's really that's really important <laughs> because actually aromatherapy candles smell a whole lot different and affect you in a, ho- in, a in a way that um, synthetic smells in candles just, you you'll never yeah. use them again once you oh, get yeah. decent aromatherapy candles. So you you so you so you started making these candles and you came up with a particular candle, the bereavement candle. Tell me how that came about. So yes, and the newest candle is the marjoram candle, also known as the bereavement candle. So this came about at the start of lockdown. Um, my father owns a pub um, here in Wilkinstown called Tiernan's. You own the whole town, in other words. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> And he decided um, in his well, time off, if, if you want to put it that yeah. way, he decided to return to college to do his master's in classical studies. 
Good man. Parallel to that, he decided to do a course in hieroglyphics, which is the symbols and the writings of the ancient Egyptians that they would have on their tombs. So, um, to cut a long story short, this led into many conversations and general curiosity to how the ancient Egyptians lived, but more so how they buried their dead, or mummification as we would understand yeah. it. And in reading more into this, I just simply came across a lovely article explaining that marjoram oil was used by the ancient Egyptians to help cope with the trauma of losing a loved one. Mm. And this stuck with me, and I wanted to make a candle solely just for the mourner. And I wanted to see, I wanted to use, sorry, the ancient Egyptian method of incorporating marjoram within this candle. So over the weeks and months, I dove into researching different cultures and religions, and a common denominator is the whole symbolism of lighting of a candle in memory of those that we've lost, and how it can bring great comfort to grieving family members and friends. But to my knowledge, there is no candle on the market that could be that has holistic therapeutic essential oil within it just for the person going through this grief. So to me, this candle truly is very, very special. And using marjoram essential oil within the candle, it can help give strength during that grieving process and bring support to the bereaved. Um, it, it's you know such a thoughtful gift idea. I feel as well for someone who is going through grief. Sometimes there just are no words. So a candle from a friend or a loved one can offer great support and can be very comforting in, in their time of, of darkness, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I, that's what struck me because again, like that, I've often been, and I think most of our listeners will have been in that situation where mm-hmm. somebody you know has suffered a loss and you don't want to bring flowers for whatever reason. And I think a candle is just a lovely way. And it's also a way for the person who's receiving it, as you say, to honour the person that they've lost, you know, that you can put the candle up beside a picture of your loved one and it helps you to move through that grieving process. Absolutely. That's what I, I wanted to get across with the bereavement candle. And, and not only for individuals who have lost loved ones, but the candle has actually been given to plenty of now that have lost pets because, you know, they are yeah. family members as well. Absolutely um, right. Yeah, it's so important. And people who have gone through marital separations or relationship breakups and even people who have lost their jobs. I gave a, a candle to a person last week and he was devastated, you know. So grief has so many different shapes. And I wanted this candle to represent any difficult life change that someone might be going through, not only just the bereavement process. Yeah. And um, alongside the candle, um, I include also a sympathy card, which has a beautiful poem called Walking With Grief. And that's by a gentleman called George MacDonald. And that's on the back of the card. And the poem, it's a gentle reminder just to tread carefully when going through grief, because I suppose it's such an uncomfortable feeling and we, we just want to get away from it. Yeah. But that candle is to symbolise, again, that sometimes you have to sit in it and um, in order for the grieving process to happen and to heal from it. So that, that's it in a nutshell, Barbara, um, what it, what it symbolises. I'm very proud of it. it. It really is a special, special candle and it smells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. But of course, it, it is my baby, so... You know, I am. Biased. No, I mean, I think I think it's obvious that you've put an awful lot of thought and research and consideration into this. And I think you've come up with what sounds like a wonderful product. And you have other candles as well, don't you? That's not the only I, one you do. I do. I think at the minute I have about 10, 10, geez, I should count, 10 on the website available. So the likes of the lavender candle, which helps with insomnia, it helps calm the anxious and worried mind. Great. I've got my rosemary and peppermint candle, which is very popular for anyone going through exams or anyone like yourself that suffers sinus headache and migraine. Yes. The cheeky candle of ylang ylang, patchouli and orange, acts as an Beautiful. Oh, oh, they all sound gorgeous. <laughs> listen, listen, we're just out of time, Leah. Just give us a quick shout for your website. What's your website called? It's www.leahsholistictherapies.ie and all the information is there. That's fantastic. Listen, thank you. Joy to talk to you. Continued success to you. Thank you. And that's our lot for today. We're out of here. Back here again tomorrow at half one. Don't go away. The drive is next. Thanks for joining us today. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087 660 37 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.